1: Right, welcome back to the show. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. He joins us on the phone today. Hey, Keith.
2: Hey, happy Monday, Mike.
1: Hey, thanks for coming on once again. Um, I just finished talking to Shirley Bond, the interim leader of the BC Liberal Party. She's ripping the government a new one here over rapid tests and long lineups to get tested and shutting down uh, vaccination clinics for two weeks over Christmas and forcing ubc students to write their exams in person i what do you what do you think of this i mean some of the listeners were a little dubious saying well she's so negative but what do you expect she's the leader of the opposition
2: well yeah she's she's supposed to hold the government's feet to the fire it was interesting i was in vancouver uh on the weekend driving up canby near oakridge the lineup to get into rapid test it must have been 50 cars there yeah uh i had a family member who had to get a rapid test uh in uh, vancouver on sunday took them five hours Oh, to get to get a, a test. Um, so it's uh, I think just people are rushing in to get tested like never before. Probably because Omicron is so so transmissible, so much more transmissible, and people are probably feeling a lot more mild symptoms right now, and they're going to get tested. So I think rapid testing. We're going to have a big announcement on rapid testing tomorrow from Dr. Vaughan Henry, Minister, uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix. That's going to be the focus of their briefing tomorrow afternoon. So we'll get some more info on that. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interest in rapid tests out there.
1: Yeah, there's uh, the government, I think, really feeling the heat on this rapid test issue, and especially when people are looking at what's going on in other provinces where they're rolling out these rapid tests everywhere for free, uh, notably in Ontario. Let me play a clip for you, Keith, of Ontario Premier Doug Ford, on their response strategy have a listen
2: then i'll get your thoughts just because this new enemy is on the offense does not mean we can sit back and play defense we will meet this new enemy with full force because right now the best defense is a lightning fast offense
1: okay so that includes rolling out the rapid Tortured. tests everywhere
2: Tortured. Sports metaphor there. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of inexplicable why. And so the rapid tests we're talking about are the take home kits. Yeah. These are not the the ones that were there early on. This is a sort of you, you take them home and use them. You get six at a time or something in Alberta, Ontario, Nova Scotia. It's inexplicable how BC was not able to obtain these te- these, these tests. All come from Ottawa. They come from the central procurement uh, agency in in the federal government. Uh, whether it's PPE or rapid test, and why BC is not able to get its hands on these tests. Health Minister Dick Dix said we had expected them in November, and it's likely now not to get them until January. That, and Ottawa has yet to explain why that is the case, why some provinces get these kits and others don't.
1: Okay, well, it's not a good look for Dix. I, I thought he looked somewhat weak trying to uh, rationalize and explain this the other day, but we're expecting now an announcement tomorrow. Do you anticipate that tomorrow they'll be announcing some deployment of rapid take-home tests?
2: Well, not unless we've actually got physical uh, possession of them. And we, the last word we got from them, we w- weren't going to get that till January. So uh, maybe we'll get a timeline, a more detailed timeline release tomorrow. Uh, but I'd be surprised if suddenly we're going to have a million tests ready to go out the door.
1: Okay, let me ask you about um, the spread of the variant south of the border, and, and here in Canada too, and the impact that's having, uh, notably on sports leagues and i wonder if sports will be canceled again i mean we're seeing some nhl games get canceled there's weird stuff happening in the national football league like there's games today there's games tomorrow that games that have been rescheduled weird some strange stuff going on and a lot of people wondering how sustainable this is and whether sports will be canceled your thoughts
2: omicron is getting worse it's not getting better um it's, it's hitting vaccinated people it's so far. It's making them mildly sick. It's not lead, leading to increased hospitalizations, but there will be more uh, professional sports athletes who will test positive for, for COVID for the Omicron. Uh, it's a mathematical certainty, and it's going to it's going to inflict a, a impact on a lot of teams. And, there, and it's an open question now. The NHL is starting to cancel a lot of games, including cross-border games, have all been canceled. They say they've been postponed. But Omicron, like I say, is not going to go away it 's going to increase in number i've been watching the u k with interest last week. They went from seventy seven thousand cases a day to eighty eight thousand cases to ninety three thousand on saturday it 's just exploding yeah. in England, and those are amongst mostly vaccinated people, so no reason to think it's not going to happen in North America as well, and that's going to have an impact on professional sports leagues.
1: well can we play a clip here for you from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the chief uh, medical advisor at the White House. So here he is talking about the spread of Omicron in the United States and the threat it poses.
3: We are going to see a significant stress in some regions of the country on the hospital system, particularly in those areas where you have a low level of vaccination.
2: Which...
1: Oh, yeah, so, you know, the doubling rate of this is, is the most disturbing element of it, and it could have a lot of impacts.
2: Well, I, you just saw the cases uh, last week in B.C. It went from, you know, uh, in one day, it went it increased by uh, more than doubled in one day uh, late last week. And we were going to get three days' worth of case numbers this afternoon at around 3.34 o'clock. And we were hitting almost 800 cases a day going into the weekend. So we could be looking at 2,500 cases, of which the Delta variant, or the um, Omicron, will start being probably the majority of the cases, and by the end of this week, and maybe the beginning of next week, it will be the dominant um, strain, replacing Delta. Right. There has been some, some scientists who are now posting that perhaps that's good, that if Omicron does indeed lead to less severe illness, does, will it will become what's called a nuisance virus, which basically means it's contagious, and it infects a lot of people, but it doesn't do a lot of damage. And that would be the best case scenario. But, again, it's early days on this thing. And Fauci's talking about overwhelming hospitalizations in areas with low vaccine rates. Thankfully, in B.C., we still have predominantly high vaccine rates in most of the province, with the exception of parts of the north and certainly the Peace River. They could continue to be overwhelmed.
1: Okay, let's talk about a little good news, and that's the Coquihalla Highway reopening quicker yeah. than we expected. And I'm still kind of somewhat amazed that this has happened, that the Coquihalla is back open after the dramatic photos we saw of the highway just lying in pieces. So here's Dave Earle, who is the president of the B.C. Trucking Association, speaking this morning to Jazz Joe Hall about what this means for the Coke reopening.
3: And what we've seen is just immense delays in terms of timing. Um, you know, and real safety concerns. So uh, when we hear that the Coquihalla is coming back for commercial movement, it, it really is a game changer for the drivers and the operators in the industry.
1: Okay, Dave Earle there, president of the Trucking Association, the Coquihalla reopened to commercial traffic. Uh, highway, highway 3 is the one we're watching now, if that could be open to non-essential traffic That'll starting this week.
2: More- Tomorrow. Yeah, my tomorrow it's going to be open to non-commercial traffic. That's a, that's a tricky highway to drive. I don't advise driving that in bad weather. Um, but, again, it's great news. Great news for the supply chain as well. Uh, more goods. People are I notice going Christmas shopping. There's a shortage of goods in some of the shelves because the supply chain has been disrupted. And that's, with, that's going to start to improve now with commercial trucks flying through the coca One way only. It's still going to be take, It's a longer trip now than it was Uh, for commercial vehicles, but that's uh, great news. And again, you're right, Uh, looking at the pictures and the footage we had of the Hala, so much damage, so many bridges wiped, just literally wiped apart. The the highway was literally broken in pieces. And for them to be able to pull this off, working 24-7 for weeks uh, to open now is, is actually nothing less than extraordinary.
1: Yeah, no, that is really good news. And for people who are thinking like, oh, okay, cool, I can drive to the interior now on Highway 3 starting tomorrow, Like you said, that highway's got, it's got a lot of twists and turns and switchbacks and all kinds of tricky stuff. You
2: don't want to drive that on a rainy night, I'll tell you that. That's a, it's a very uh, challenging highway, to say the least.
1: Uh, All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. John calling from Lynn Valley. Hi, John.
3: Hi. So I just, uh, since the floods, I drive a truck. Since the floods, I've done three runs up to the interior. Um, so the first time I did it, I went the day after they opened Duffy Road thinking because my, my vehicle will go weight restricted through there. So I figured I'd try that one. But as the weather's kind of turned the other way, I've been going up three 5A, uh, cross the connector, and then up into Canloops, and I worked my way back down the interior, stay the night in Penticton, and come back through 3. So I'm actually on the highway just returning. Um, What's it like? So, well, I went up Sunday at 1 in the morning, which is fun in itself. And uh, so I took a load up, and I went through that snowstorm. Oh. Um, you know what? I actually don't mind the snow. Uh, my my uh, truck's four-wheel drive, so you know it's just it's just getting in a groove and and just taking your time the thing that concerns me about opening up highway three tomorrow is i just came down that highway from all the way from uh you know the beginning of it right across through princeton and and all the way into uh hope area the ruts and the holes in the road are beyond belief you have no idea it's gonna these are gonna eat some of these cars like it's really 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 bad there was a couple of teeth rattlers I had on on uh, coming back, and I'm sure a lot of the drivers that are going through there will agree. They need to patch that highway before they put cars through there. It's going to be really, really bad.
0: Well, that's oh,
3: good. Okay,
2: in- good. Thank info you. To have. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, if anyone listening thinking of travel Highway Three, uh, factor that into consideration.
1: Yeah, and well, just be careful. Like you know, if you are determined to drive, and there may be a lot of people who are, if they want to get home for the holidays, whatever. I mean, just be super cautious on that road. I mean, not only is it sounds like it's been beat up because of the slides Mm -hmm. and the, and the flooding. I mean, it's a tricky highway to drive at the best of times. So yeah, just be super careful if you're going to drive that highway. Diane in Surrey. Hi, Diane.
0: Oh, Good morning, you guys. Um, I would The rapid tests are going to come and it seems to be that they're going to be free. And I say this without malice. I believe in our commitment as a society to tend to those who are ill. They deserve to be treated with dignity and respect when they're in the hospital. But the choice now to remain unvaccinated and then to expect free rapid testing isn't respectful of us. So I hope that when the rapid testing comes that those who are um that we should have to show a vaccine passport to get them for free otherwise those who can't produce the passport should have to pay for them i mean ultimately mm. these tests aren't free they're tax mm. dollars we will be paying for them so just to respect those of us who have always been following all the guidelines and doing our very best that people who can't produce the passport should have to pay for the testing. And I would encourage Keith to pass this on to the health minister. It would mean a lot to those of us who are doing our best.
1: Keith, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting proposal. I've actually heard that. Um, There's, again, not many, well, there's 400,000 people unvaccinated in BC who may want access to these kits. But that's that's an interesting wrinkle. That'll come up at tomorrow's briefing. We'll be sure to ask that question whether or not if you're, you have to show proof of vaccination to get a, a free test. In fact, part of the health measures that were announced by Dr. Henry last week is uh, increasingly you have to show your proof of vaccination in a number of instances. So it's, it's uh, all events now. Uh, you need proof yeah. of vaccination. So, I mean, the noose is tightening around unvaccinated people. You just uh, The restrictions are mounting. You cannot do many things if you're not vaccinated. And I wonder if uh, obtaining... Pre-rapid test is going to be one of them.
1: Well, I don't believe there are any other provinces that are doing that. I, I stand to be corrected if I'm wrong on that. But I don't think any other it. provinces are saying, like, if you're not vaccinated, we're going to charge you for a test. Um, I, and I'll be surprised if they if they do it here. I mean, you, you know, Dix has been asked about this kind of stuff before and has said, look, our health care system is there for everyone. And they don't discriminate when someone comes into a hospital, they're sick. Uh, you get treated whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, and you get the same level of care. And I would, I would imagine that the distri- distribution of these tests is is a healthcare service. So it'd be a precedent if they say we're going to treat people differently. True what enough. You think?
2: True yeah. enough. Yep. Yep. I, 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 I would be surprised, but it's an interesting suggestion. It is.
1: Derek on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Derek.
2: Oh, good morning, guys. i was just wondering. Um, could you remind us how the COVID numbers are calculated, Keith? in terms of, well, it's based on the, t- the tests that are done. So there's a percentage of tests that come back positive. Uh, we've, we've been down as low as 3% province-wide. I see Ontario is now 10% of all the tests are testing positive, which is why they're reporting huge numbers. I, mean, I think there were 4,200 yesterday, 3,500 today in Ontario. So, yeah, we, we've been doing about 12 to 15,000 tests a day in the, in the last couple months. And as a percentage comes back positive, um, that's the number, and it's assigned to every health authority. You can go to the Center for Disease Control website and go to their dashboard, and you'll see how all this breaks
1: down. What, what is the positivity rate right now?
2: Nope. I haven't checked it as of Friday, but probably province-wide, it was around, I think, three and a half. Where the concern is, though, is over here on Vancouver Island, where you and I are, suddenly we were the positivity rate for so long was like 1% or 2%, sleepy Vancouver Island, no COVID. It has exploded in numbers. Uh, particularly associated with that outbreak at the University of Victoria. Those rugby players that came home, brought the Omicron with them, and now Omicron is most prevalent in Vancouver Island, particularly the capital region. So I think the positivity rate in on Vancouver Island right now is around 7%, mm-hmm. about 9% in the north. Uh, Vancouver Coastal also was struck along with not much COVID, but they went from 1.5% to, I think, 23 2.5% which is a lot when you look at how many people get tested in that health authority.
1: Squeeze in one more call. Ed in South Surrey. Ed, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead.
2: Okay. What I'm confused about is with these blue masks I heard on a doctor reporting, they're, they're basically ineffective, and the minimum mask we should be wearing is the KN95. Keith. Well, no, I mean, this goes back and forth. I mean, you can, you can wear a mask as long as it fits properly. Covers your mouth and your your nose and doesn't have any openings, so it's a snug fit. It doesn't have to be the you know the medical mask that you're talking about.
1: Keith, thanks for coming on today. All right, right, Keith Baldry, thanks.